0: Welcome to the Church of Philadelphia podcast. Get ready for this message to ignite your faith as the power and love of God is shared through his word. Now, y'all know with me, everybody get to be some gymnast regardless of your age, your weight, or your flexibility. Listen, if you have your Bibles or your phones or your iPads or your tablet, listen, listen. Let's flip over to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter number 18, and we're going to land a perfect 10 on verse number 21. So 1 Kings chapter 18, starting at verse number 21, if you can indulge me. But let's honor God. Let's please stand for the reading of God's word. 1 Kings 18, 21. Here begins the reading of God's holy word. It said, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. You could be seated in the presence of the living God. Amen. Listen, we're starting a brand new sermon series and it is called Alter Egos. It is called Alter egos and it's a play on words, you know, the, the other word alter ego, right? And we'll talk about that. But as we jump into this right here, the title of today's message that we're going to be working with on today is, it's entitled, My Heart Was Changed at the Altar." My heart was changed at the altar tell somebody you need to get your heart changed at the altar the only way your heart is going to change is going to happen at the altar and some of us have neglected coming to the altar as we will actually see in Scripture we have neglected the importance of the altar some of us you know where we once came to the altar on a consistent basis now the altars that we have erected in our cars in our bathrooms in our homes in the in the bathroom on our job listen that altar has become vacant has become void it's no longer being used no one frequents the altar anymore thereby causing the fire that once blazed at the altar the fire has now simmered down and listen we need you to get back to stirring the coal so the fire will blaze up again we need you to get back to the altar so that the fire of God can actually burn so that the consuming fire of God can be released again on the altar so I'm encouraging you to get back to the altar go back to the altar go back to that place where you were actually talking to God amen It's critical that we get back to the altar in Jesus' wonderful name. And so as we talk about altar egos, right, now I'm going to, as we're here, let me do this right here. As we're here in the book of Kings, what we understand about the book of Kings, right, First and Second Kings, they are books of history, right? And what you'll find in these books of history is going to give us the history of, you know, the kingdoms of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. We understand there was that split between Israel became the northern and the southern part, right? and so it's also giving us not just the history of Israel and Judah but it's also going to give us the history as it chronicles the lives of the kings and the prophets that were actually on the scene during the span of these particular kings who were reigning you know both in Israel as well as Judah at this particular time so kings it is a book of history chronicling the lives of the kings and the prophets that were on the scene at the same time as well as giving us an understanding in the history of both the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of judah amen so when we get to chapter number 18 what's actually taking place in chapter number 18 obadiah who would be considered the governor of king ahab king ahab is now on the throne whose married to the uh the false prophetess jezebel right and obadiah is considered a governor inside of his kingdom so he's a person with prominence inside of his kingdom notoriety influence power and all of this stuff right here but the thing about obadiah obadiah was a man who feared god he was a a man who represents God a man that honor God a man you know who was a believer in the true God the only true God that being Yahweh right and so what we find in the scripture uh, uh as Obadiah and, and Ahab are going there are separate ways to actually go and try to find you know grass you know the feed the cattle and things of this nature right there because there was a famine going on at this particular time they're trying to go and find you know grass near the different streams or the rivers and things of that nature so that they don't have to actually kill off the beast or so that they're not losing beasts and things of that nature right there so King Ahab goes in one direction and Obadiah goes in one direction while Obadiah is going in the direction that he's going in he actually. Encounters the prophet Elijah, so that's the first thing that begins to happen in the scripture. Obadiah encounters Elijah, you know. What's been happening, Ahab has been trying to find, you know, the prophet Elijah. You know, he wants to destroy him because as you'll see later in the chapter, Ahab describes Obadiah as a troublemaker. The destroyer of Israel, uh, depict him as a troublemaker, right? Uh, Because think about it, those plans and those different things that King Ahab and and the prophet or the false prophet Jezebel wanted to carry out within the kingdom, which we understand one of the major things that they did was, you know, move away from worshiping the truth true God and where they began to worship this false God, Baal, and bring in uh, 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 this false worship or this idol worship into the groves and things of this nature, to the high places right there, uh, pointing to, you know, Asherah, the worship of Asherah, right? So we got this idolatry or this idol worship that is now taking place as you know King Hab and and the false prophet Jezebel are on the scene and they're ushering this in so when you see in Scripture the prophets of Baal and then you also see the prophets of the grove which we'll see the prophets of the grove points to the prophets of Asherah right Uh, denoting this prostitution uh, and this 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 idol worship that would take place in these high places on the groves and things of this nature right there so this is what has been ushered They've moved away from true worship unto the true God to now this idolatry or this idolatrous worship unto these false gods. So that's what is taking place. Right. So after Elijah encounters Obadiah, Obadiah is having this dialogue with him. And he's, you know, think of this right here. Elijah, the prophet Elijah gets a word and God tells him to show himself to King Ahab. And so this is what Obadiah begins to speak to Elijah about. And, and and Elijah tells him, you know, go and tell your servant that I'm here or go and tell your Lord rather that I'm here. And Obadiah is like, well. You're trying to get me killed. I'm going to put it in L.A. You're trying to get me killed because typically, you know, this man has been looking for you. And whenever we get to a place that we figured that you were at, once we get there, once we arrive there, you're no longer there. And if I go and tell the king that you are here at this place and when the king arrives at this place that you said that you would be and you're not dead because the spirit of the Lord has came and translated you to another place, he is going to kill me. But Elijah reassures him and tell him, you can go and tell your king, go and tell your Lord that I will be here. Why? Because Elijah understood the Lord told him to show yourself to King Ahab. So he understood by the word that God gave him, God was not going to translate him, thereby causing Obadiah to actually, you know, not be killed, you know, because God was going to allow it to happen that he would show himself to King Ahab so as you fall down into the scripture a little bit further Elijah now comes face-to-face with King Ahab and this is where Ahab begins to labor him as the destroyer of Israel meaning the troublemaker of Israel and and, and Elijah responds by saying no it's not me but it's you and your household you and your fathers who have destroyed Israel because you have turned us from worshiping the true God and you've now introduced this idolatrous worship this false worship unto these false god so it's not i but it is you who actually destroy israel tearing the very fabric of what god has built through this false worship And as you fall down a little bit more, what begins to happen in this dialogue as Ahab and and Elijah are responding one to another, Ahab issues this challenge. Bring all the people of Israel, all the people of Israel, but not just all the people of Israel. Make sure you bring all the prophets of Baal and all the prophets of the grove. And let's meet up on Mount Carmel and we'll see who's the true God. So this is where we find ourselves falling at verse number 21, right? At Mount Carmel, there's this showdown, right? And what begins to happen is we see in verse number 21, there were two opinions and there was going to be these two gods battling one another, the true God versus this false God, Baal. Not only that, there are going to be two representatives, Elijah representing the true God, and then you got the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah representing uh, uh, this false God, Baal. But there's going to only be one outcome out of all of this and we know the outcome because it's a familiar place in scripture the one outcome is going to be that the true and living God is going to be just that the true and living God the only God and it shall be Yahweh amen so as we're here you know my heart was changed at the altar so first kings chapter 18 21 it says and Elisha came unto all the people and said how long halt ye between two opinions if the lord be god follow him but if baal didn't follow him and the people answered him not a word now this is the thing the people didn't have anything to say when Elisha issued the challenge you know based upon their opinions It's it's the opinions of the people, but Elijah is challenging them based upon their opinions, and isn't it funny when you're challenged to have to deal with the opinions that you're wrestling with on the inside, you understand what I'm saying? Isn't it funny how people get quiet? And, 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 and I'm, I'm saying usually people who are talkative usually have something to say you know when we want them to be quiet they always got something to say but now when you issue the challenge about the opinions that you're dealing with on the inside of your head the inside of your mind you find yourself being quiet they answered the prophet not a word right so understand the importance of this elijah said okay how long will you halt between two Opinions this is one of the two things that are on display these two opinions is it God, Yahweh, or is it Baal? These two opinions now opinions in 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 the in the, in the Hebrew is talking about thoughts which divide and distract the mind thoughts which divide and distract the mind right and so this is what's happening there are thoughts that these individuals these people are having these people of Israel are having right that that is causing their thought process to be divided where they're divided between I don't know if it is true God Yahweh or if it is Baal and not only is has it brought a division causing them to be double-minded because the Scripture lets us know a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways right but not only has it brought a division in their thought process their understanding their perception their perception perspective right it is also brought about them causing them to be distracted right and, and that distracted because there used to be a time where they would come to the altar and they would actually worship in God and spirit and the truth but now there's this distraction that has come by way of this idol worship this idolatrous worship unto a false god and people don't realize the danger that the enemy has them in this dangerous place when they're moving and operating in a double minded state or a double minded manner because having these two opinions is not just bringing the vision in your thought process, but it's also causing you to be distracted. And, and, and that doesn't, well put it like this, that speaks easy target to the enemy. One, you're, you're, you're double-minded, but two, you're distracted. And you have to be, be, be mindful that there is an adversary Uh, who's seeking like Aurora Lion, seeking whom he may devour. You have this adversary, right? Who's on the prowl? And and listen, how dangerous does that become for the person who's not just double-minded, but who's also distracted? You can't afford to be distracted. Well, you call yourself not to be focused, right? When there is a a a lion, an adversary that's prowling around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Oh, you are in a dangerous place. And if you don't realize that, and for some of you, you don't even realize how close this adversary is actually up on you. You think that there is so much distance between you and the enemy, but in all actuality or in reality, the enemy is right up on your neck getting ready to pounce upon you. And you really don't even understand how close the enemy is to you and 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 this is the thing you've allowed the enemy to have this forward progress this forward advancement simply because of your opinions allowing yourself to have or operate in in, in double mindedness but also being distracted so i'm double minded but i'm also distracted at the same time What a dangerous place to be in and and, and we'll see the danger of this and see God is allowing the prophet to come and issue the challenge because he understood they're in a dangerous place because this dangerous place simply is this right here. You're moving, moving away from the protection, the defense of the true and living God, that being Yahweh. You're you're separating yourself from being in relationship, covenant relationship with the true God, that being Yahweh. That's a dangerous place to be. And the fact that you're moving and operating in idolatry or idol worship, this is sin. We understand this is iniquity and sin. This has caused a separation between you and your God. Isaiah tells us in the book of of Isaiah chapter number 59. It has caused a separation between you and your God. But look at the mercy of God. God puts a challenge in the mouth of the prophet to come and speak to the people of God. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answer him, not a word. Now, as we're talking about alter egos and my heart was changed at the altar. The word alter ego is defined as this right here. It it means second self or different version of oneself. Do you know somebody? and can you relate when we talk about these changing faces right you have a face or there was a version of yourself at home there was a version of yourself that you have at your place of employment there was a version of yourself when you chilling and, and you know laughing and giggling and hee hee and ha tripping out being laid back with your kick it to the per- curve partners and all of this right here there was a different version of yourself right there was a different version you that's on display when you go back home you know to your family and you get a mom them and get around them, you know, when you go back to the family reunion, or there was a different version of you when you go back to your alma mater, right, <laughs> you you understand what I'm saying, right, uh, 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 when you go back to your school, uh, I forget exactly what that thing is called, my wife them be talking about it at a and a- and all of that stuff, they be talking about that stuff that happens, this 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 stuff, wait, 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 they, they bring in all the steppers and they bring in comedians and all the, these different things right there. All right. You know what I'm talking about. But there is a different version of yourself when you get back around some of your old college friends, some of your old high school friends. When you go back to your high school reunion, there is a different version of yourself that is on display. That's an alter ego. You know, one of the famous individuals that y'all all can relate to is, you know, and she said it about herself. Uh, you know, the the the, the people that most people call the queen be Beyoncé, right? She spoke it about herself. She said, I, the real Beyonce, I am a shy individual. But there was an alter ego that takes over, that allows me to get up on stage and just begin to just eh, like, uh, be all bold and all of this stuff. I forget the name of her alter ego, she said. But she spoke about herself. Sasha Fierce, thank you in the studio. Sasha Fierce, right? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That's an alter ego, a different version of herself, right? Then when you look at definition number two of this, it talks about a hidden side of one's own self, a hidden side. Again, a different version that's hidden. It only comes out when the right people discover it or the right people find it. right? Or this version is comfortable, comfortable around the right people. That version comes out. But then there was this third version that we came up with, or this third understanding that says hid inside of one's own self. Demons. Demons are spiritual personalities. They just lack the physical body. Spiritual personalities. Spiritual persons, we'll say that, right? That's hid on the inside of some of y'all. And when it brings its personality to the forefront, this is an alter ego that is now manifesting. This is a different version that is now manifesting within your body. Talk about the alter egos. I guarantee you hang with me long enough. You're going to find yourself and we're going to figure out which alter ego is on display, which version of yourself is on display. So now, 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 he says, then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So what Elijah said, it's just, it's just me right now. Amongst all of you, it's just me. I'm the only one. And I stand as a representative of God amongst or against you prophets of Baal who number 450. He then tells us in 23, let them therefore give us two bullocks, right? And let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire under. I would dress the other bullock and lay it on the wood and put no fire it. And he said, OK, now we're not going to put any fire on because this is part of the challenge. Whichever God arranged out or answers by fire, that is going to be the true God. Now, one of the things that were known back in the day during this particular time, false prophets, you know uh uh these people who would work in 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 the sense of idolatry, what they would do when they would build their altars to deceive and manipulate people, they would have these little trenches built around the altars, but down underneath these trenches, away from the eyesight. Where well, the people can actually see they will have these tunnels or funnels where flames can actually come up. So basically deceiving the people that their God actually miraculously caused fire to just come down upon or come up upon this altar. Right. So this is why Elijah is saying now we're going to cut these bullocks in two. We're going we're to do what we need to do and dress these bullocks and all of these different things. Get it prepared for the sacrifice, but do not set any fire to it. Critical. He says, and call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answered by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now the people are speaking. <laughs> now now they got something to say right and and think about the challenge he said and call you on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord denoting Yahweh and the God that answered by fire let him be God let him be God the one that answers by fire let him be God and all the people answered and said it is well spoken in other words we are in agreement That's that's good that's good that's good that's good that's good right It said, and Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first. For ye are many and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire on it. So reiterating the instructions. All y'all take y'all, y'all bullock, dress it, prepare for the sacrifice, but do not put any fire on it. Right now, when you get into 26, it says, and they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called on the name of. Of Baal, from morning even unto noon. So from morning to the noon, midday, these prophets are calling on Baal, Baal, Baal. Baal, Baal you understand what I'm saying? They they speaking and crying out and calling on Baal, right? Saying, "Oh Baal, hear us!" But there was no voice, hmm. nor any that answered. Then look at this, and it it says, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. So they've made an altar, right? And the altar that they've actually made, it is actually in relation or connection to Baal. Now look at their behavior at the altar. First, it's idol worship by calling upon the name of this false god. But then look at their behavior as they begin to leap. This leap begins to talk about how they're leaping up and down on the altar and around the altar. But it also speaks to them actually dancing. I'm talking about hard with everything in them. Leaping with all of their might, their strength, dancing with all of their might and their strength upon the altar. Now, what we have to understand about the altar, the altar is this right here. When you think about the altar, and I'm, I'm shifting from altar ego to altar, right? The altar is this right there. It's, it's a place where the divine and human worlds interact with one another, right? Or where they've interacted with one another. The altar is also a place of exchange, the altar is a place of communication as well as influence. But also the altar is it's, it's a it's a marker of a place. In reference to the holy God, the true and living God, Yahweh, it's it's a marker of a place commemorating an encounter with God. Come on, tell somebody about an encounter. Because see, we just coming out of encounters, right? Encounter a God allowing us to encounter him, but God also allowing us to encounter him through his word. So, so guess what? At the altar, the altar commemorates an encounter with God. It's a place that I remember. I had an encounter with God. It's a place that I remember. It's where God met me at. Spoke to me at. Gave me instruction. Gave me direction. Told me where to go. The altar. Now. now uh, the most common definition for the altar. Is this right here. It's a place of sacrifice. But. The altar is also called the table of the Lord. By the prophet Malachi. So these are some things to keep in mind as we go through this sermon series. When we talk about the altar, the importance of the altar. Now, remember, it's a place of sacrifice. It's a place of sacrifice. And as they prepared their sacrifice and they begin to call upon their Lord to come and consume their sacrifice. He has not responded. Not to the verbal call, but even to the body language. The leaping upon the altar, the dancing with all of their might and strength. He still has not responded to the verbal call, nor has he responded to the body language. 27, he tells us, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked him. God have mercy. And this I I get it. This is why some people don't typically like prophets. You know, you only like prophets when they're giving you a prophetic good word, per se, a word of blessings. Right. I get it. Sometimes prophets can act like, you know, just just they can act like a donkey some days. If I'm being real, I understand it because I'm one and I know I can act like a donkey some days. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prophets can get very moody, very, very quickly. Offer some of the things and some of the people we have to encounter, you know, not just from the side of the spiritual realm, but some of y'all natural people we deal with. Some of the idiotic things y'all be doing. Oh, it can it can shift the mood in us really, really, really quickly. Now, this is an Elisha at, at noon. Elisha mocked them and said, Y'all got to get louder. (laughs) Maybe maybe if y'all get louder, your God will hear you. Now, you got to think these people are shouting at the top of their voice. They're leaping up and down on the altar with all of their might and strength, dancing with all of their might and strength. And he said, y'all got to get louder, for he is a God. I mean, that's what y'all say. The Baal is a God. And then he said, well, maybe he's talking. <laughs> maybe your God is having another conversation with somebody else and he's ignoring you right now. It doesn't think that y'all calling upon him is urgent. It's important. Then he says, or, or maybe he's Pursuing. Maybe he's out pursuing something that's important to him. Then he says, or is he on the journey? Has your God went on vacation? (laughs) The the prophecy, maybe your God is on vacation. He put his feet up and he's tired of y'all right now. He needs a break from y'all. He has an understanding that Uh, uh, Well, before I say that, uh, he he said, per adventure, he's sleeping and and, and, and your God must be awakened. But Elijah has an understanding that Yahweh, the true God, never sleeps, nor does he slumbers. If your God is not on vacation, maybe he's just he's taking a nap. And he sleeps hard. So all the ruckus and the racket that y'all are making, y'all can't even get loud enough to wake him up. Oh my! Hmm. 2080 says, and they cried aloud. They got louder. They took heed to the prophet. They got louder. But now they took it a step further. Not only did they get louder in the verbal sense, they got louder even when it comes to the body language or the action of the body. It says, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner. Now, this was part of their custom to cut themselves. Okay, he's not responding to our verbal call. He's not responding to us, our uh, body language, us leaping up and down, us dancing with all of our might. Blood is what he wants. So they begin to cut themselves with the knives and the lances till blood. Look what the scriptures say To the blood gushed out upon them. Could you imagine this scene? There's somebody that, the blood, the, the only blood that works is the blood of Jesus. His blood still works. His blood still works. There's other blood, mm, you don't get too much out of that. You're not going to get too much out of that. But the blood of Jesus. He then tells us in 29, and it, and, it, and it came to pass. When midday was past. so noon day is now gone. They still crying. Look at this. Now, what I can admire about these prophets is their commitment and their determination and their perseverance to keep on going. I'm talking about from morning to noon, the scripture says. And then it says, and it came to pass when midday was passed, they did start prophesying until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So it's got late in the evening time. They're now prophesying. And it says that there was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded. So Baal did not answer by voice. He didn't answer any way, not even with a a physical display answering them, a physical manifestation that he's present, that he's heard. He has not shown any regard for his prophets who have went from leaping up and down and dancing with all of their strength and might to cutting themselves with knives and lances, to blood is gushing out upon them, to now they're prophesying. Yet there is still no answer. This is where it gets interesting. In verse 30 it says, And Elijah said unto all the people, All the people, all means all. Not just the people of Israel, the children of Israel, but he's also talking to these false prophets come near unto me. And the Bible says and all the people came near unto him. Key thing in verse 30 and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. To repair this altar is an indication that an altar was already present on Mount Carmel. Meaning that the people of God were freaking Mount Carmel To actually come sacrifice or to make worship unto the true God, Yahweh. But because this altar has been vacant, neglected, there's been a void, there's been an absence of presence at this altar. It's not been cared for to now it's in a condition of where it is broken down. Oh, but tell somebody, you need a prophet to come and repair, to help you repair your broken down, your neglected, your forgotten about altar. Hmm. Elisha repair the altar. Now, this repair is defined as to bring back to a former condition or vigor. We got to get the altar back to its former condition. In other words, pointing to we got to get you back to praying at the altar that you built. Oh, Lord Jesus, uh, because you don't pray like you used to. Why? Because you've halted between two opinions. Am I going to yield? Am I going to serve? Am I going to commit myself to the divine will, divine purpose of the true God? Or am I going to be okay with following the ways of the culture? Lord, you don't want to be real, but that's why he's sending a prophet. Because somebody has to help you repair your altar. But before that altar can get repaired. Listen. We got to let you come to the knowledge. And understanding that. Listen. You can try to go follow the ways of this culture. It's only going to lead to destruction. It's only going to lead to death. Giving you a one way ticket. Because we don't talk about hell like that. There more in the church. To the lake of fire. But the Bible says. Elisha repaired The altar. Number two, it talks about to put into good shape or working order again. Mm, you feel like your prayers don't even work no more, Lord. But He sent a prophet to help repair the altar so that your prayers, God can show you that your prayers still work. Some of you are so out of shape, undisciplined when it comes to prayer. Praying at the altar that you once erected in your bathroom. In your car, on your way to work, on the side of your bed, listen, or in your actual closet. All that thing has been neglected. You have forgotten about it. Cardwells are all around it because you don't frequent that space anymore. But it used to be a place where God would speak to you, where God would come and commune with you and sup with you and communicate to you and come and consume those things that were not like him. He say to put into good shape or work in order again. Oh, we got to get you back to working the prayers we, we listen. We say the word works. If you work it, we got to get you back to the altar, praying the word of God again, because now you just praying stuff when you do find time to pray. You just pray a little stuff. For the sake of to say, I prayed. Pray the word. Pray the word. Pray the word. It then tells us in definition number three. Elijah repaired the altar. In other words, he restored the altar by replacing a part or putting together what is torn or broken. So we see that your altar has been torn down or it is broken because of neglect. Think about a house. That no one has lived in for years. And because no one has lived in this house for years. There has not been any care or upkeep that has been put into this house. Now you got the natural weather that's going to play its part. And then you got to think because there's natural things, elements that the house was built from. Listen, it's just going to have its natural wear and tear. But if somebody's there to maintain it the upkeep and put the care or put the TLC inside the house listen that house could last for years upon years and what we see just like the house some of our altars have been torn down because there is no TLC there is no 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 upkeep there is no maintenance given to the altar You would know the altar needs to be prepared if you frequented the altar. If you stayed around the altar, you could see, oh, there's a brick that loose right here. I need to add some more mortar to this right here. I need to fix this up, push this back up, firm it back up. But because you've been absent at the altar and your absence come because of the two opinions that you're dealing with. Is God the true God or is it Baal? The customs of this world. And you'll see Elijah actually restoring by building up the altar and replacing parts that were broken. We'll see in the scripture. But notice to repair the altar is to get the presence of God back. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And some of you are just talking and it's empty, hollow prayers. You feel no presence of God no more. You don't feel him like you used to. It used to be life in your hallelujah. It used to be life in your thank you Jesus. It used to be life in God I bless your wonderful name. It used to be life and you would say oh God you're worthy. Now it just seems to be hollow and empty. And you find yourself working hard. Till you give up. Now the enemy got you well. Thinking, well, God is so far away from me. God doesn't hear me. I've messed it up so bad that, you know, God doesn't want anything to do with me. But you know somebody can. you believe really, I can. I've been there before. But guess what? My altar needed some tending to oh yeah I had to go and tend to my altar because tending to my altar or repairing my altar was getting the presence of God back and see you can't keep living without his presence the truth be told you'll return back to that state of dead man walking dead woman walking Uh, to not have him is to not have life you understand if you're going to get that life back that substance back Go back and repair the altar. Now, understand anything that the mind is dealing with, if it's not dealt with here, if it's not cast out, plucked up, you know, it's going to enter into the heart. So what you had thoughts and opinions about we well, now turning to real live emotions. You now begin to feel some type of way about a thought, a thought that you once had. Now you have real, raw, live emotions about what started off as a thought. Now I feel real raw emotions about if God is actually God or is it Baal, the culture of the world? I see many other people when I go on TikTok, when I go on the Gram, and when I frequent Facebook, talking about how blessed their lives is. Who blessed them? Where did the so-called blessing come from? You don't know what they had to go through to get the so-called blessing. Because if we've been honest, you know, folk only tell you what they want you to hear. They only tell you the good. They're not getting up here telling you the the for real, for real that has happened in their life. They only want you to see the good to make you think that's what your life is going to be. If you do it, what they're telling you to do, or if you follow the three-step program, then this is what your life is going to be. It's a lie. What a deception. No, in order to get your life back on track, go repair the altar. Get back to the altar, get back into the place of prayer where you're not just talking to God, but you're allowing God to talk to you. When God sends the prophet. Listen, one thing that I can appreciate about these people, when we started off in verse 21, they didn't have anything to say. But when Elisha got to the point where he said, well, whichever God consumes by fire. This shall be the real God. And the people spoke, well, it's good. They acknowledged that. So what am I saying? When God does send some a prophet into your life to help you get back to the place where your heart is changed by way of the altar or at the altar, don't neglect, do not reject, don't overlook, don't look past. The prophet that God sends or the prophetess that God sends to help you repair the altar that's needed for your life. This is the only way you're going to get the presence of God back in your life. And some of you don't even realize how just distracted you are. Culture tells you you need a man, a significant other. Paul was saying, I wish everybody was single. (laughs) <laughs> Lord have mercy Paul was saying I wish everybody was single don't you undermine being single we're not saying okay we're against no we're for marriage because the Bible speaks about marriage but while you're in your singleness and singlehood, this is a time for you to get as close as you can get to God learn whatever God is trying to get you to learn be who God needs you to be that other person doesn't complete you. See, the world will tell you that. You complete me, you myself. What? What kind of foolishness is that? I don't complete you. My wife does not complete me. Why do I say that? Because when he made me, he made me a completed vessel when he made me. Broken, but I was completed. Scarred, wounded, traumatized, but still completed. Listen, repair that altar. now. It says in 31, and Elisha took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. So a part of this repairing of the altar, Elijah taking the 12 stones. We told you in definition number three to restore by replacing a part or putting together what is torn or broken. He's taking the 12 stones, which is symbolic for each tribe. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He's, he's taking the 12 stones, which is symbolic for each tribe. Now, listen, we got to sure up this foundation of the altar. Get it back to its original state. Bring it back to this its original intent, its original purpose. This is the place where the divine and the human world interact. This is the place of exchange this is the place of communication and influence not only that this is the place where we can mark and commemorate we had an encounter with god this is the place where we sacrifice and like the the prophet malachi he calls it the table of the lord where the god comes down and he consumes but god also comes down and he communicates and communes with us so in other words elijah's saying i got to rebuild the table of the lord because y'all know, for some of us, you deal with things at the kitchen table. Uh, when, when, when there is an issue in the household that needs to be dealt with, we say, Come on, we, we need to have a talk. And that talk is centered around the kitchen or the dining room table. Just like you work out and hash out your issues around the table, the concept comes from the Bible. Come back to the table of the Lord because there is an issue that needs to be worked out in you. What is the issue? Your opinions that you're dealing with. This thing that's causing you to be double minded, not only to be double minded, but it's causing you to be distracted. God wants to talk to you about the distractions in your life, but he also wants to talk to you about the double mindedness that you're operating in. Because there was a time you didn't operate in double-minded. You operated in singleness of mind, a sound mind. Because he tells you, I'm not give you the spirit of fear, but a power and a sound mind, singleness of mind, sound mind. And some of you have moved away from what God goes out of his way to tell you. He did not give you a spirit of fear. Come back to operating in singleness of mind, a sound mind. Come away from the things that are distracting you, pulling your attention and pulling your focus, causing your eyes and your heart not to be fixed upon God. Come away from these things. You can only do that by coming and repairing the altar. He's taking the 12 stones to shore up the foundation of the altar, to rebuild it, replace those things that were torn down, those things that were broken, those things that were neglected. 12 stones. Upon this rock shall I build my church. He wrote with his own finger in the stone uh, tablets for Moses. He wrote with his own finger his words in stone. The strength. These stones symbolize strength. Not only do they symbolically uh, 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 mean or point to the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel, but it's also speaking to the strength. The strength that an altar plays within your life. The strength that prayer has in your life you weak as you are because you got away or you came away from consistent, disciplined prayer. You don't talk to God every day. It's only when you feel your back is up against the wall, you in trouble, or you need an urgent move of God. You find yourself talking to God. But it used to be a point you just would wake up and just wanted to talk to him throughout the day. Not because you needed anything, but just other than, I just won't. I just want you to talk to me I just want to be close to you I just want to know you I just want to feel your presence I just want to linger in your presence I just want to know more about you all but the distractions and the double mindedness who what is trying to take the place of the true God Yahweh in your life. That is causing you to linger at this place of you're stuck between these two opinions. Who or what can be that powerful? To pull you out of a sound mind, a place of being in singleness of mind to now you move and operate in double mindedness. Now all of your ways have become unstable and you are so distracted. I'm talking about even when a sure word comes to you, you can't even recognize that this is a sure word that has come from the true God. He said, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. Israel known as prince. Israel known or described as one which prevails. (laughs) You're not winning or you're not prevailing because you don't pray. If I'm going to prevail, it's going to come because I prayed at the altar. (laughs) Lord, have mercy. And see, some of us, we feel so defeated in our lives. We feel like the enemy has made so much forward progress and so much forward advancement in our lives. It's because you don't pray like you used to. Your altar is vacant. It has been ignored, not just weeks and days, but years your altar has been ignored. Oh, let's move on. He says in 32, and with the stones he built it. Look at here. Look at here. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of who? In the name of Yahweh, Jehovah. Let's make no confusion. While he's taking one stone and landed. This is for a Judah. This is for Issachar. This is for Simeon. This is for Reuben. Listen he said as I lay this stone I'm doing it in the name of Yahweh. I'm doing it in the name of Jehovah. The Bible then says he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. So he didn't just build an altar, but he also built a trench encircling this altar. Right. He then tells us, and he put the wood in order. Right. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water. Now, as I I begin to study this, this fill these four, four large barrels? They would say this is equivalent to four gallons of water. Right. So think of it like that. He filled four gallons of water and poured it on the burnt sacrifice. It's not even burnt yet, right? But he poured it on the sacrifice. You take all four of those gallons of water and just pour it on this cut up bullock. And pour it on the wood, because, again, remember, in these times, what these false uh, 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 people, uh, prophets and these people who are in idolatry and uh, idolatrous worship, right? What they would do was underneath their trenches and different things, they would have it where they could give the illusion that their God produced fire. He said, listen, the source that's going to start my fire, the wood, the thing that's going to keep my fire burning, the wood, soak it with water. And if you know anything about wet wood, it doesn't burn. He says, soak it. Now, pour it all on the sacrifice, but make sure you get that wood. I want everybody to see that he's pouring it on the sacrifice, but he's also pouring it on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. Take four more gallons of water. This is now eight gallons of water being poured on the sacrifice and on the wood right he said and they did it the second time and he said you know what not satisfied let's do it a third time we're gonna do one for the father one for the son and one for the holy spirit let's do it a third time right so this is now 12 gallons of water being poured on the sacrifice and on the wood and they did it the third time the bible says and the water ran about the altar so the water is now just it's just falling off the sacrifice all around the altar to the point that it filled the trench with water. Right. The trench is important, too, because if you know anything about camping and I don't, I know a little bit, but but you will build a little trench around your campfire. Right. This little trench was supposed to be preventing the fire from actually moving beyond the actual spot we want the fire to burn in. All right. So now this thing that's preventing the fire from spreading or moving from the actual spot or location. We want the fire to burn. It is now filled with water. It is filled with water. Come on. Water is symbolic for spirit. We know water is symbolic for spirit. Come on. Tell us about it. You need to outpour the Holy Ghost all over again. Oh Not one time. Come on, tell somebody. Come on, do it. Pour out your spirit on me a second time, God. But don't stop there, God. Pour your spirit on me a third time, God. The number three is it means perfect completion. Not just completion. It means perfect completion. Three times we poured out this, these four gallons of water. This thing has been perfectly completed. (laughs) You understand? There are no tricks and games here. When when the fire comes forth, listen, only the true and living God could do such a thing. It says, and it came to pass at the time of the offering and the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came there because remember they had morning offerings and they had evening sacrifices. So they had morning sacrifices and evening sacrifices and at the time of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came there and said, Lord God of Abraham. Lord, and see some of you, you, you know, stop being all D. You might need to go to the basis right here. Lord, you are the God of Abraham. You're the God of Isaac and you are the God of Jacob or Israel, but you are my God as well. He said, You are the God, Abraham, that knows the father of the multitude. But also, when we talk about Abraham, we talk about faith. You are the God of those that believe in you and believe in your word. Isaac denotes the promise of God. You are the covenant keeping God. The God that keeps his promises God. And when we talk about Israel or Jacob. Known as the heel grabber. Listen you are the one that causes us God. You answer. You respond to your word. As I hold on to your word God. You answer. You show. You prove your word. He said. Lord God of Abraham. Isaac and Israel. Let it be known this day. That thou art God in Israel. Not only that, and that I am thy servant. Remember, we told you the two facilitators, right? Elisha and the prophet Sibyl. He said that I have done all these things at thy word. I wouldn't do it unless you say to do it. And because you said to do it now, God. When you prove that you are God and when you prove that I'm your servant, God, you're honoring your word that you spoke to me. He says, hear me, O Lord, hear me, O Lord, is what he says, hear me, O Lord. That this people may know that thou art the Lord and that thou has turned their heart back again. This is where the title of the text come from. My heart was changed at the altar. All the people are now witnesses at the altar. This altar that has been repaired by the prophet built up again. This altar that was once neglected, overlooked, forgotten about. No one came and frequented this altar. No one came and sacrificed this altar. No one came and offered unto the Lord. No one came and worshipped. No one came and talked to the Lord at this this forgotten altar. But the prophet came and repaired it, built it back up. Because I took the time, God, oh, to build this altar back up. Hear me, O oh Lord. Hear me. That this people may know that thou art Lord God. Yahweh Jehovah God. And that thou hast turned their heart back again. And I want to encourage somebody. where you thought God was too far away where you thought God didn't want anything else to do with you. You thought you messed it up so bad, even though you was hanging in this place where you were dealing with two opinions. I'm talking about double-minded and distracted at the same time. Listen, God is about to do something that is about to turn your heart back to him again. He's about to show up in a manner, because you know how we say God, show up and show out. And this is exactly what God did. God showed up and he showed out. And God is about to do this to the point that it's going to turn somebody's heart back to God again. You're gonna love God more than you love the ways of this culture. You're gonna love God more than you love this. I'm talking about following all of these influences and influences on TikTok, the ground Facebook, all of these different things. You're gonna get back to the place where you love God more. You love his word more. Not what all these influence and these famous people have got to say. No, it's his word that matters to you more. And we're not just talking about the famous folk in the culture or the famous folk in the world. We're talking about some of these famous preachers. Too famous now. They don't talk about sin. Too famous now. Everything is a problem. Everything is an issue. Everything is now typed up or trumped up to mental health. No, some stuff is just the presence of a demon. It's sin. Too famous to talk about hell and the lake of fire anymore. They don't want to talk about that right there. He said, but it's going to cause your heart to turn back to God again. Lord, have mercy. He says, then the fire of the Lord failed. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I, I'm talking about while he's praying, you know, so, so after you turn to come on, God, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones. And come on, look, look at God, because you know what? I'm not going to just stop with the sacrifice, but I'm going to burn up the wood. I'm going to burn up the uh, uh, the dust. I'm going to burn up the stones. Guess what? And I'm coming for the water, too. Everything I'm coming for. And what I like about this right here, God has the ability to consume without destroying. God has the ability to burn up everything that's not like him. says then the fire of the lord fell why this is important because it took a pure vessel whoo lord have mercy an upright vessel a righteous vessel a vessel that still believed holiness is right that was living holy unto the lord because the lord says be ye holy for i am holy It took that kind of vessel to repair the altar of God to get the presence of God back. Now we have a manifestation, an encounter with God. Why am I saying it took a holy vessel, a righteous vessel, a pure vessel? Because if you're not careful, you'll get a strange. Oh. Remember Aaron's sons where they lit their own incense with their own fire? It was strange fire and God reached out from the fire and consumed them. And if you're not careful, you got folk who are producing strange fires at a holy place, the altar remember this is the place where the divine and human interact this is the place of exchange this is the place of communication and influence right this is the place where we're commemorating that we had an encounter with God we are marking this place I remember I had an encounter here with God this is the place of sacrifice now, what we see in the Old Testament, Elias is actually offering a sacrifice, that being the bullock, right? But, but, but Paul, the apostle Paul tells us, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You now become the living sacrifice. So the altar is still a place of sacrifice. It's just no animal sacrifice. You're the sacrifice now. But it's also called the table of the Lord. Place where God comes and consumes, but the place where God comes and communes or communicates with you. But it took a righteous vessel, a pure vessel, a holy vessel to produce this type of fire. Now, I'm not saying Elijah created this fire. He didn't. But for God to manifest himself, God responded to that of a holy, righteous vessel. true prophet who was in contest with false prophets. God did that thing, right? And he said this fire came and he consumed all this. And he says, and when all the people saw it, oh, Lord have mercy. When all the people saw the fire of God come and fall upon the altar, Consuming the sacrifice, the wood, the stone, the dust, and even the water within the trench. They fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, he is the God. The Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, he is the God. Now remember, we started up by saying there was two opinions. Two God's battling the true God versus Baal. Two representatives, the prophet Elijah uh, versus the false prophets of Baal. And we said one outcome. One outcome. That is witnessed. By the language of the people. We told you anytime something is repeated in Scripture, take note of it. It's important. It's significant. The number two denotes witness. Now, the people have not just witnessed with their own eyes how the fire of the Lord came down and consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, as well as the water that filled the trenches. They're not speaking with their voice as a witness that, listen, you are. It is the Lord Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah, He is the God. The Lord Jehovah Yahweh, He is the God. It's settled. Lord, our mercy. In other words, there is no more confusion. There is no double-minded anymore. There is no any distractions anymore. It's settled because God manifested himself according to the challenge. It is settled. This is what we said was a good word spoken by the prophet. Whoever consumes by fire is good. We will consider him to be God. It is settled. Yahweh, Jehovah, he is the God. For you to come back to this place where you witness a manifestation of God, but you speak as a witness also, it is going to take you repairing, rebuilding the altar to get his presence back. If the ego denoting you as an individual, the makeup of who you are, if it is going to change, it is going to change because of an altar. we we don't need the other version of who you are we need the real you and the real you is only going to change because of an altar the place of sacrifice the place where exchange between you and god this place where you commune with god this place where communication and influence happens this place where you remember god before he made himself known to you he revealed himself he showed up and showed out in your life at an altar And I don't know. Maybe you got uh, 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 not just you. Maybe you got more than one altar. Maybe I was talking to you every time I was mentioning a place in your bathroom, beside your bed, in your closet, driving to work. You know what I'm saying? In the bathroom at your workplace. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I was. Maybe that you got an altar at all those places. They still need to be repaired. If the ego, the person of who you are, is going to change, it's going to come by way of an altar. If the heart of the man, the heart of the woman, the heart of the child is going to change like the hearts of these people. Do you understand all the hearts of the nation, this nation of people changed in one moment, one instant? Because a prophet repaired an altar. And we all came to an altar and we witnessed a divine interaction between the divine and human. If your heart is going to change, not just your mind, but if your heart is going to change, it's going to come because of an altar. So I encourage you go repair, go rebuild your altar. Get back to the altar that has been neglected, that has been forgotten about, that has been vacant for days, weeks and months and years. Get back to talking to God at your altar. There are people that are connected to you. Don't even understand because you have to understand as a nation, they're all connected as brethren. Brethren of the nation and those who were following or under the influence under the spell under the enchantment these spell came by words from these false deities they were being led astray but they were connected to a holy vessel a pure vessel a righteous vessel that being the prophet Elijah who understood God, this is the nation. You gave a word. You spoke a word about Israel. And if you don't intervene, God, what you spoke, the enemy is trying to steal. The enemy is trying to kill. The enemy is trying to destroy. If you don't intervene, God, it was the rebuilding and the repairment of the altar. Come on, that now gives God an access point to come and intervene. Where all the people are. Won't even understand how much they need God. Think life is okay without God. But God understood, no, your heart needs to be turned back to me. Go rebuild, go repair that altar. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and please make sure to visit us at churchofphila.com for more podcasts and ways to connect with us on social. To like, subscribe, follow, and share content as it comes along. Special thanks to those who give in so many ways to this ministry. We could not do any of this without you. And if you want to give or be a part, visit churchofphila.com forward slash give for more information. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.